Welcome to the Broken Patreon Podcast, episode 234. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, Jay is uh, off. I'll be uh, manning the ship this week. He'll be back next week. Plenty to talk about, though. And I want to start off with, you know, I always kind of talk about prognosticators and predictions, how tough that is. You're hearing stuff on CNBC and Bloomberg. I want to start off with this view. And it goes something like this. The prices investors, I'm reading from an analyst uh, in, in a newspaper story, the prices investors are willing to pay for stocks depend not just on underlying earnings, but also on the level of interest rates, inflation, competition from other investments, and simple market psychology. The perception that someone, will, someone else will eventually pay more for a stock than you did. The analyst goes on to say, and they worry that many of these or those variables will continue to work against the U.S. stock and bond markets this year. The real economy's continuing gains, he says, will produce an environment where interest rates go up and stocks go down again. The better alternative for anyone expecting to make money in the short term, he says, is a bank CD or a money market account. That doesn't change anything necessarily for long-term investors. If you own stocks for a payoff years away, what happens this year may be of little interest. And to turn your back on the stock market entirely runs the risk that the naysayers will be totally wrong, always a possibility, and that the bull market will resume in earnest this year without you. But in the broad investment overview today, the money demands of the real economy provide extraordinary competitions for the capital that could otherwise be chasing stock and long-term bonds. With one-year treasury bills now paying as much as they are, risk-free, many Americans are logically putting their money there. Sometimes what is obvious in investing is right. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, that's interesting. I've been hearing and seeing a lot of stuff on CNBC and in uh, whatever publications you read online about people putting money in short-term bonds, people putting money in money markets, and that's true. What I just read you, though, was from the Los Angeles Times in 1995. That was the view. And that article, let me see when this was published in 95. This was January 1st of 1995. The reason I bring this up, as many longtime listeners know, I, I kind of like to go back and I do a Google search and I click on tools and I do a range of from this date to this date. And I like to look at what the prognosticators were saying. 94-95 has been interesting to me. 94, of course, was when the Fed raised rates. It's the most they raised rates before this year. That's the last time they really did anything significant. Stocks went nowhere in 1994 earnings group, about 30% that year. The Fed kept raising rates in 1995, but by September, they did their first lower, the Lowering, I guess, is is the right way. But think about what I just read to you. Uh, someone said, "Hey, I think you should just go with CDs or short-term bonds." By the way, they were they were paying back then, and interest rate was about seven percent higher than it is today. But ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine were some of the best years the market has ever had. 
1995 was up plus 37%, plus 22%, 96, plus 33%, 97, plus 28, 98, plus 20%, 1999. And it was down 9% in the year 2000. Of course, the tech stocks did much worse when the dot-com implosion happened. And then you had a minus 11%, in 2001 and a minus 21% in 2002. But I think the point is that prognosticators get stuff wrong all the time. The mood of the markets, what's going on, inform a lot of the opinions that you read. How else can you explain why at the beginning of this year, most analysts had the stock market finishing the year way down? Mid-year as the market rallied, Most analysts raise their estimates. It's natural for that to happen. But I think the point is that when you look at whether it's the bond market, the stock market, let's look at the bond market for a second. Bond market's always thought of as the really smart money. And I will tell you that's uh, traditionally more right than wrong. But it is interesting that even at mid-year, investors were starting to add duration. And I'll explain what that means. But essentially, uh, if I go and I look at, uh, oh, I can pull up any Bloomberg article or I can do a, a random search for, uh, uh, you know, here, Bloomberg, this is in, uh, when is this, July 15th. Headline was that uh, history says it's time to buy long-term bonds as peak rates near. Investors warm to view that Fed is on the brink of final hike. Surveys find historically high demand for interest rate risk. Well, we know now that uh, the long end, uh, especially recently, is rising. Remember, coming into this year, and I'll also talk about the Fed Fund's futures, and I think that's an often overused or oversimplified view of the idea of probabilities of whether or not the Fed's going to raise or lower rates. There's a few issues there. But if I look at, let's say, oh, I don't know, the 30-year bond, uh, June 1st. Uh, Why June 1st? I kind of picked it randomly. It was 3.84% on a 30-year treasury bond. Fast forward to the 17th of August uh, when I'm recording this, and it's 4.41%. The 10-year is not immune either. The 10-year was 3.61% on June 1st. Fast forward to August 17th, 4.3%. So I think this is one of those cases where not a lot of people coming into this year thought that, number one, that the Fed would not be lowering rates in the back half of the year. But the second thing is most people figured that interest rates via the Fed would come back down. And if we saw any curve steepening, it would be because short rates came down, not because long rates went up. We know that when you have far out rates or rates that are 10, 20, 30 years, those rates have significant interest rate risk. Well, I mean, just look at, uh, you know, if you bought a bond at $1,000, when the coupon rate was 3.84%. That's what it was on June 1st. That's what the market required yield was on June 1st. 
Well, just going from 384 to 441, that same $1,000 bond that you paid, well, it's $100 is the price, but of course, one bond at $100 is worth $1,000. That same bond would be worth today, uh, I don't know, roughly $905, $910. That's, you know, roughly 9% down from where it was. You see, further out to maturity bonds have more interest rate sensitivity. You know, that bond right now, let's say a 30-year bond today at a 441 interest rate, it's going to have a duration risk of about 17, 17 and a half. What that means is when we say duration, we don't mean the time to maturity. Duration is a function of it looks at the cash flows from coupon payments, and it looks at how sensitive an instrument is for a 1% gain or loss in rates. I say gain or loss, a a rising, a raise of 1% or a lowering of 1% and the required uh, market return. That's why bonds that were issued, somebody asked me the other day, they said they saw a chart that 30-year bonds since 2020 are down 50%. And that's right. I did take a look and I found some bonds that were issued in 2020. Remember, rates went to zero. The long end of the curve was 30-year rates got down to 1.25%. So a bond issued in 2020 at 1.25%, issued at 100, worth $1,000 per bond. That bond today is trading at 52 cents on the dollar. It's going to take a little time for those bonds to get back to break even. In fact, barring a significant reduction in the required interest rate at the uh, the further out maturities, it's probably more likely than not that it's gonna. It may take uh, twenty years or so for that to get to break even, barring a, a drop in interest rates. But let me get back to the prognostication thing. I think the it's pretty clear, and it's not the first time that most people got the idea that higher for longer, maybe the Fed is not lowering rates, and the back end of the curve is actually reflating. You know, there's two types of steepening, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with the idea of bull steepening or bear steepening. A bull steepening, for the strict definition, is where the front end of the curve comes down, meaning you know, you're one month, three months, six months, one year, all that stuff. Those rates are, are dropping, and that's what causes the, uh, the curve to steepen. By the curve, I mean the, inter- the treasury interest rate curve. So in a normal curve, the, you would expect to get more interest by buying further out in duration or maturity. Well, it's your time premium or time premia as members of the Fed would say during their press conferences. And that's what's considered bull steepening. Interest rates coming down, but the front end's coming down. Front end is less than the back end, and you have a a steeper treasury curve. A bear steepening, by the strict definition, is what's going on right now. That's where the front end of the curve stays where it is or goes up a little bit, but the back end of the curve you know, twos, fives, sevens, tens, twenties, thirties, that is going up. Now, my contention with calling that a bear steepening is this. 
I think part of the reason why the back end of the curve is, is rising, well, it's kind of twofold. And I could be wrong about this. And I'll just say, and I always say this, part of the reason why, I mean, look, we're all sort of market students of the market. We all have opinions and we all like to ponder these different questions and answers that we give. But at the same time, it doesn't really cause us to do anything. I mean, our, our whole mantra is buy but hedge. Be invested in the market, but have protection on the downside to have floors or buffers. And the idea is that you don't want to go to cash and miss out on a, on a huge run. I just read you that article from the LA Times in 19, January 1st of 1995, people saying, you know what? Just go into the money market. Well, we know that sometimes, and we know a lot of people missed out after 2008, 2009. But let me get back to this, uh, this bull or bear steepening of the curve. So there's really two reasons why I think the back end of the curve is rising. Number one is whether or not that the market is pricing in that inflation's going to come back and it's more likely that interest rates are going to stay high. I mean, you know, interest rates being where they are now, where the front end of the curve is much higher than the back end of the curve, sort of predisposes the idea that, that at some point inflation comes down, but it's not going to last. And so that front end is going to come down. But if the market perceive that inflation is going to be higher and rates are going to be higher for longer, the idea is you should get a time premium, meaning if I buy a five-year bond, I should be getting more interest because I'm tying up my money for five years versus putting it in for six months. It's inverted right now. So that's one theory. The other theory is that the economy is actually doing okay. There hasn't been a recession. Remember, that that's the other prediction. People said, ah, Q3 of 2022 is when the recession is going to happen. Oh, okay, no, 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 it's Q4. No, 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 it's, it's Q1, definitely Q1. Okay, no, 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 it's pushed out a little bit, it's Q2. All right, not Q2, but definitely Q3 or Q4. Look, I don't know if a recession is going to come. I can guarantee at some point we'll have one. I'll let you know when it happens. But the other idea is that if the market perceives that the economy is less likely to go into a recession and we're actually going to have some growth, remember the 10-year the treasury is more a proxy on nominal GDP growth. Nominal meaning not real GDP growth, discounted, you know, adjusted for inflation, nominal GDP growth. In fact, there's been studies done on this. When you look back at the 10-year yield, it sort of is a good indicator of what over the, you know, several years, what the average growth rate of uh, U.S. nominal GDP is. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because interest rates being high uh, don't necessarily mean that the market has to, has to crash. It may very well. And I think the recent weakness in the markets, my opinion, and this could be right or wrong, and again, it doesn't change anything about how we invest, but I think one of the things the market is sort of coming to grips with, with the idea that, yes, interest rates may not need to go down. Why would the Fed cut interest rates, barring economic weakness or a recession? So the idea that the market has to say, all right, you know, the stock market was wrong on this, and they're dealing with higher for longer, 
and a back end of the curve that's steepening. I always go back to the 1994-95 period. And one of the things that's interesting when you look at those periods, if I looked at the very end of, so December 30th, 1994, the one-year treasury was 7.2%. And it wasn't inverted, but the five-year was 7.83. The 10-year was 7.84. So it was flat, but not inverted. And then you sort of look and you say, okay, well, what was what did it look like in August of 95? Well, in August of 95, rates had come down. Uh, they were 5.89% on a one-year. And in 10-year, they were 6.57. I'll point out, and I've done it before on uh, previous shows, that the market rallied those market returns I, I had before. And I look, I don't know what's going to happen in the market, but just looking historically, 95, 96, 97, 98, all those years, rates were never lower than 5%. And I think a lot of people who haven't been in the markets for, as, I guess, as long as I have now, don't remember markets with more normalized rate environments. Ever since 2008, 2009, we've been near zero, and certainly after 2020, the very short end of the curve went negative. Yep, negative yield to maturity on very, very short-term rates. It wasn't for very long. So anyway, I think this is another case where the bond market got this really wrong. And I think a lot of the prognosticators, and it doesn't mean that I got any of it right, but I'm more coming to the side of why would the Fed need to lower rates barring a recession? We'll see what happens. When we think about the other thing that I think is overused as a certainty, more like probabilities, and there's a, there's a misunderstanding about sort of the probabilities of future rate hikes. So the idea is that, so there, there are Fed funds futures and the Fed funds rate is, the Fed funds is what the Federal Reserve raises or lowers. They control the very, very short end of the, the curve. And that's really more overnight money rate. Uh, but it's the rate, you know, maybe banks charge one another for loans or if a bank wants to come to the discount window theory, you know, they come knocking on the, <laughs> the door of the, the Federal Reserve and say, hey, I want to borrow some money. Banks tend to not really want to do that because it's kind of taken as a, a sign of weakness. And there's the, the reverse overnight repo rate and there's the interest on excess reserves. All those things are uh, really controlled by the Fed. But Fed funds futures are, and the way futures work, there are contracts. There's one for let's say, you know, the September contract, November, December, all these contracts that, that expire. And the way that they're priced is, so if I look at the, the very near contract and futures contracts, it's not like a stock where you have one of these and then, so you could be buying the Fed Funds futures for September. You could be buying the Fed Funds futures for December 2024. And when you're buying that future, in theory, what it is, is you're saying, I believe in this case, the Fed funds rate will be X in December of 2024. And the reason why that price changes is because the perceptions, the thoughts, the 
prognostication, the opinions of people who trade those markets change over time. Remember, nobody, if I went back in time and said, hey, what's the, what would the September 2023 contract be a year and a half ago? It certainly wasn't five and a half. Uh, in fact, we know that the Fed Fund's futures markets were implying that rates didn't go above two. They were implying that rates didn't go above three. So let me go back here. So when I look at the near contract, uh, it's trading at 94.6713. So what does that mean? Well, if you take 100 minus that, so 100 minus 94.6713, you get 5.33. I'm going to round a little bit. And the Fed Fund's future right now is, guess what? Five and a quarter to five and a half. And so that's the implied rate in the, the futures price. If I go out to December of 2024, I take 100 minus 95.2375, I get 4.76. Okay. So if the current Fed Fund's future is five and a quarter to five and a half, and the December 2024 today is basically implying 4.76, what that's implying is that the Fed will have lowered rates by that point. Why? Well, clearly, it's trading, uh, you know, 50 basis points below what the current range is of five and a quarter to five and a half, okay? So when you look at probabilities... It's, I won't bore you with the formulas. And it used to be a little easier before the, uh, they used ranges. And I won't bore you with why they use ranges now and, uh, and things like that. But all it is is they're essentially looking at the price of the future. And they're saying, based upon that price, what I just told you, there is a probability that the Fed will lower interest rates based upon the future's price today. doesn't mean a certainty. And so if I was to look at that contract, I'd say, you know, there's about a, I mean, there's, there's a pretty good probability based on that price that it will be lower. All right. I'll stop with the math. I'll stop with everything. The, the reason I point this out is that these are, I think, overused as a, as more than they are. All these are, as a point in time, the view of where the market thinks interest rates will be at a future date. That's all it is. And these are going to change. And it's the reason why I brought up a year ago, none of the forward contracts going out a year had rates as high as they were. So I don't think the bond market got this right. And boy, does it have to get it right? I think for if you're dealing with investors who are looking to grow wealth, looking to protect what they have. Like the idea of trying to predict where the, the specific point the Fed is going to raise or lower rates may not matter that much, especially if you're hedged. But these are overused. And just because you have a probability today, you know, there's a 90.5% probability that the Fed will do nothing at the next meeting, in the September meeting. That's 30 days from now, 32 days from now. There's a 9.5 probability that they'll go to 555 and three quarters. All right, 
whatever. So that's my spiel on, uh, on the bond market and it's trying to get things right. And I just wanted to go through the Fed funds futures a little bit more for you. So let's go back for a second of why long rates are moving higher are causing an issue not necessarily for, let's say, you know, most investors. But as I said, I think there was the thought that the Fed was done, the Fed was done raising, and that it was now safe to go back in the water, to use a Jaws kind of analogy. Well, maybe not so fast. And let me explain again. And I think this is, is worth going in detail just a little bit. When people said they want to add duration, they're adding bonds that have further out maturities. They're not buying bonds that have one, you know, six months, a year, two years to go to, to maturity. When they add duration, they add tens and twenties and thirties. And by the way, you're not limited to those. So a bond, you know, a 30-year bond that was issued six years ago now has 24 years to maturity. So there's old bonds all over the place. But when you look and you say, okay, and I used the example before, the bonds that were issued with a coupon of 1.25%, that's what the market's required return was back in 2020. Well, when they go from 1.25 to 4.4, they're down 50%-ish. And if I go back, and part of the reason for that is, uh, and, and you can calculate duration in Excel if you're so inclined, but a 30-year bond that pays a coupon, uh, let's say a 1.25% coupon, had a duration at that time about 25, which means for every 100 basis point or 1% change higher in rates, you would expect to lose roughly you know, 25%, and then you know you get you're obviously getting paid a coupon in this case. So, and the other thing I would say too is, you know, for if you say, well, what if they go up four percentage points or four in a basis points? Is it four times 25? No. Uh, the reason is there's something called convexity. And convexity just means that the rate of change starts to slow uh, as you get higher or much lower in the yield. It's not, I guess, linear. It's not a, you can't just say, oh, if I go up, that's 1%. If I go up 400 basis points or 4%, I can take four times that. No, 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 you don't do that. It's convexity. And the last thing I'm going to do is try and get into detail on convexity on a podcast. Uh, you, can, you can Google that. But that's, uh, and for option traders, you know, I think about duration is kind of like the delta of, a, of an option. And convexity is kind of like gamma for an option. So, uh, if we look at, let's say, oh, I don't know, a 10-year bond, uh, a 10-year bond that is, uh, uh, let's say we have a 10-year bond, what did I say, about 4 point, uh, uh, let's say a 10-year bond was was 4.25. Well, if that 10-year bond goes from 4.25 to 5.25, you would expect to lose about uh, 75 7.8%. And it has a duration of over eight, okay? So you get a little bit of coupon and uh, you also have the market change. So the thing you should understand is this. 
the reason why uh, when people said, hey, we should be adding duration, we should be adding 30-year bonds, 20-year bonds, 10-year bonds. And the reason why people add those is, in theory, if the market really drops and the Fed lowers rate or there's buying of you know flight to, to safety, and people start buying those bonds and push yields down, bonds go up, yields go down, bonds go down, yields go up, sort of the inverse seesaw. In you know historically, a lot of times, barring the Fed, like in 2022, where they're raising interest rates, until you have the bond market actually wound up doing as worse uh, as the stock market or worse. But historically, you know, people having duration uh, when interest rates drop and and real problems, problem times for the markets, you get sort of a, a rise in the, the level of bonds and a diversified portfolio didn't happen in 2022. But when interest rates go up, what is there to be sort of the safe money, quote unquote, um, can have some problems. So I think the market's sort of absorbing that and duration apparently maybe not was the, uh, the best thing to do at the start of the year. It's tough to know though, tough to know and tough to predict these things ahead of time. So Anyway, um, that's all I have this week. I'm trying to think. I started watching uh, Breaking Bad, and I want to like it. I feel like it moves a little bit slow, though. I don't know. Maybe maybe I have to rethink this. Shoot me an email if you, uh, derek.more at zegafinancial.com. That's D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at Z is in Zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple, financials up to you to spell correctly.com. Uh, let me know if I should keep watching this. I think I'm still in season one. I don't know. I don't know. I know it was really popular. And sometimes going back and watch, I mean, what was, I guess that was, I don't remember what year that came out. It's not that old, but I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit unsure about it. Um, so we'll see. All right, we'll be back next week. Do send emails. We like getting emails. Uh, let me know if you have topics that you want to have covered. Uh, today was actually, I had a few questions from people during the week about the idea of adding duration, about the probability thing with the uh, the Fed Funds futures. I'll put a link, by the way, in the show notes to the CME Group Fed Funds Probability Tracker Tool, the FedWatch Tool. Uh, I'll, if I can find it, I'll put a link to that 1995 article um, but look, just, just you know, uh, be hedged, be invested in the market, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you, everyone.